Thank you so much for tuning in to Encounter AZ's podcast. We are believing that God is going to use this ministry to change your life. Now enjoy the message. Last week, I, I really enjoyed Joey's message. I don't know about you guys. It was awesome. And, and uh, at the end, the Lord started speaking to me about Nehemiah. If you were here, you might remember at the altar, I started talking about building uh, this wall that God had Nehemiah build. And so what happened was Nehemiah had gotten word that the walls of Jerusalem were torn down. And he was very distressed by this because he was living in, a, in another land and he was a cupbearer for a king. And, and he, he heard this, and so he was distressed. And the king one day said, what's wrong, Nehemiah? And he said, well, my, the, the walls of my, my city are torn down. He was an Israelite living in another land as the cupbearer for a king. And the king said, well, what do you need? And he said, I need a lot. I need money to go, and I need supplies, and I need letters when I pass through these other lands. That they'll, A letter from you saying I'm allowed to pass through because I have to do this. And, and the king said, you can have everything that you've requested. And so Nehemiah, he goes in and he begins this project of rebuilding the walls around Jerusalem and he recruits these people to do it. And I don't know about you, but I believe we've been commissioned by God to build something with our life. I believe every single one of us has a purpose and a calling like Nehemiah was commissioned by God to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem. I believe this house is commissioned to build something in this city and I believe you're commissioned to do a part and build something in your family, in your workplace, everywhere you go. I believe that we are called to build a wall. Let me start out by saying this is not a physical wall. This is not a political message. I want to start out by saying that we're not a Republican church. We're not a Democratic church. We're a Jesus church, okay? And so... Um, this is, and I think this is important because I think a lot of churches, they, they get a pole and a line and they put some conservative bait on it and they cast it out and you catch conservative fish. Or you get a, a liberal church, they'll put some liberal bait on their line and they'll cast it out and they'll catch liberal fish. But I got to tell you this morning, Jesus didn't fish with a pole, he fished with a net. And when you fish with a net, you get what you get. And we're going to preach about Jesus in this place. And so I want you to no, this morning, I believe God is calling us to build something together. And I don't know about you, but I'm tired of church as we know it. I'm tired of coming to church to learn about building something. And I've learned some things um, about this is we have professional builders everywhere. In fact, we, we um, know what we're supposed to build. And we know there's so much building to be done. People even go to school to learn to build. We have PhDs uh, in building. People debate the best way to build. Um, they even create different building denominations based on how they believe building should be done. And then we, we, what we do is we talk bad about other denominations who build differently than we do. We create buildings to meet and discuss building. Um, we, we sing songs about building. We discuss new ways to build. We memorize stories about others to build. We create programs to get more people information about building. We attend conferences and listen to other people who have built. We tweet in 140 characters or less about building. We're experts at debating with people who don't believe in building. We attend building meetings every week and discuss our call to build. We organize committees and boards to define what building is. We make excuses about why we can't build, but we don't build. 
I think this is where the church in America is at right now. And I don't know about you, but I want to build something before I die. I don't want to go into my grave and say I didn't do it. And I'm okay with God coming in and shaking up the way I do church and the way I view things if Jesus will come and bring all his glory. And it gets uncomfortable. And people will complain and say, Pastor Brent, I don't like all that. There's just too, we're singing too long, Pastor Brent. I don't know. Do we need to do it? And those people are distracting me with their worship. Can you do something about it, Pastor Brent? I'm going to tell you this morning, I will do something about it. I'm going to go up and I'm going to worship with them and look like a fool with Jesus because I don't want to go back to dead church. I don't want to go back to church without the presence and the glory of God. I'm saying, God, we are going in and this is our call to build something, Jesus. And if it means more of you, God, I will become uncomfortable in my seat. I will become uncomfortable, Lord, if your glory will fall in this place. I want to build something and I need some people to get on the wall with me and say, Pastor Brandon, I'll build with you. I'll get my place on the wall and I'll do something with you for Jesus. I know this is kind of vague, and it's kind of, I need to do some explaining this morning. Pastor Brent, I want to build something, but I don't know what to build. I don't know. What does that even look like? Pastor Josh sent me a Facebook post this week that he saw, and it was pretty good. It, it was from a, a worship leader, and he said, we are concerned about the outcomes and the objectives or the meal of ministry while God is concerned with our hunger level. And so what I'm saying is we worry about what God wants us to do, but can I tell you he's more concerned with your relationship and intimacy with him than what you're doing. And so building doesn't always look like I got to put my hands to something. Building looks like I got to get close to Jesus and sit at his feet. That's what building looks like. God wants your hunger for intimacy with him, and this is the foundation he builds on. And I got to tell you, God will not build without this foundation. If you've forgotten about the first thing, the intimacy with Jesus, forgotten about your first love, you can build nothing. It starts with that. You go back to that first place. I think we get this so mixed up. I remember when I, uh, when I got engaged and I asked Jen to marry me, the most beautiful girl in the world. She's in kids ministry today so I can talk about her. We have been married for 16 happy years now. We're so happy. We, we never even contemplate divorce, never. Murder, maybe, but not divorce. We don't even bring it up in our marriage. But can I tell you, when after between the time when we got engaged and when we got married, there was a year in there where we spent all of this time worried about what we would do on our wedding day, and we planned the wedding and all of these things, the outcomes and the objectives of it. But can I tell you, we would have been better off if we would have focused for that year on growing in intimacy with one another, because then the first years of our marriage actually would have been better, but we were more worried about the wedding than the intimacy of the marriage. And I think we do the same thing with God, don't we? God, I want to do, I want to do ministry. I want, God, I need a platform. I need to do something. I got a message, God, that this world needs to hear. And God's like, well, if you spend some time with me, I would actually speak to you and we could get to a place where you could handle that with your character to have a platform. But I think a lot of times we get it backwards and we think I want to do something. And God, it all starts with intimacy with him. I'll give you some Bible to prove it, okay? You remember the story of Mary and Martha? the sisters, and, and Jesus loved this family. They had a brother named Lazarus who Jesus would raise from the dead. But Mary and Martha, Jesus went to their house to visit, and, and Martha, it says, was busy in the kitchen doing all the preparing. And this is great. This is good stuff. Jesus comes to my house. There better be some things ready, right? I mean, I need to prepare. This is not a bad thing Martha was doing. And Mary, her sister, is just sitting at Jesus' feet and not helping at all. I mean, the nerve of this lady, right? Um, and so Martha comes out, and she's angry, and she says, Jesus, tell Mary to come and help me. 
She's not even helping me get things ready. And Jesus says something interesting. You see, Martha is doing, and Mary is just sitting at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus says, Mary has chosen the good part. And so I think a lot of times we get this mixed up in church and we start doing and our focus is on what we can do for God. But Jesus says that intimacy is the good part. That's the important part. That's the foundation. And there's no shortcut for this. We live in a microwave generation where we want things now. But can I tell you, you cannot shortcut the processes of God to receive the promises of God. There's no, I'm going to show up for 90 minutes on Sunday morning, God, and get everything that you want for my life, and I'll be back next Sunday. There is no shortcut to intimacy. Intimacy means I spend time with my wife every day. It means that I spend time with Jesus every day. It's not 90 minutes and bing, bang, boom, I, need, I get everything I need. Can I tell you, God is faithful, and he, he shows up and will feel his presence on Sunday mornings, and he'll even change our lives through encounters with him, but he wants intimacy. It's the foundation of everything you're going to do for God. If you don't have it, then you're not going to do anything for God. I'm sorry. That's the God's honest truth. I'm just being honest with you because this is church. We should be able to be honest in church, right? Anytime you do the work of God, there's always a process, and the process is obedience through intimacy. And if you don't have intimacy, you're not going to know what God's telling you to do, so you can't obey. And we, we think obedience in our culture just means legalism, like I have to do everything. He gave me this list of things I can't do and things I must do. That's not obedience. Obedience is I love you so much, like I love my wife so much, I want to please her. In the same way, when I'm in intimacy with Jesus, I want to please him, and there's no shortcut to it. Nehemiah found this out. There was no shortcut to rebuilding the wall. He, he's commissioned by God to rebuild this wall. And I want to pick up the story in Nehemiah chapter 4, starting in verse 10. It says, Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, The strength of the laborers is giving out, and there's so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Will you turn to the person next to you and say, Excuses? Excuses. There's just so much rubble, we can't rebuild the wall. And I think we do the same thing, don't we have it? But we need to guard against excuses because we're the church and the world needs the church. But we use excuses like, I'm just too busy, I'm just too tired. Pastor Brent, I'm, I'm really going through a season where I'm working on me right now. The church cannot be selfish. People are dying and I'm worried about me and my self-love. I'm, don't get me started, all right? I'm going to tell you the only way you can have self-love is through intimacy with Jesus Christ because he tells you why you're loved by him and then I can love myself. It, the church cannot be selfish in this time. It's not about us. You see, their excuse in this story was the rubble. You know, they had all this rubble in the way. How are we supposed to build this wall? And I need you to know this morning, before God can build something up, sometimes he first has to tear some things down. You see, we, Pastor Brent, I can't do anything for God. I have all this rubble, you see. I have this brokenness. I have, the, I have this issue that I haven't given up yet. I have all this rubble. I have this, this stronghold in my life. And I think God wants us to know that in this season, there has to be preparation if the ground is going to be able to sustain the weight of what he wants to build through you. And so there's all this rubble in the way. And Pastor Brent, I just don't know. I, I don't think I'm ready to do this. I have to deal with all my own baggage. I'm just too bitter right now. But before you can build something up, some things need to come down. I just want to declare over your life this morning that strongholds need to come down. That there's some idols in your life that need to come down. There's some brokenness in your life that needs to be healed. There's some pride in your life that needs to come down. There's some complacency in this church that needs to come down. If God is going to build what he wants to build, we have to tear some things down first and the foundation of intimacy has to be built 
because it secures the ground and it clears the ground of all the rubble. As you get intimate with God, he's going to start pressing into you and all of a sudden rubble in your life is going to start to come up and you can make a decision. I'm going to push it down and ignore it or I'm going to surrender it to God and say, God, I want to build something. I want to be able to hold the weight of what you want to put on me. I got to get the rubble out of the way so you can build something through me. It's, it's intimacy that gets you to this place. See, God has to deal with your rubble and your ruins to clear the way for a new work. And some of you, the, the truth is the enemy has full access to your life because your wall is broken down and there's just rubble and he can come in and out. You're an easy target. If you're honest with yourself this morning, I want you to ask yourself, am I an easy target for the enemy? Does everything throw me? We can't let every little thing throw us. And I've been there. I've, I've been thrown by things before. I remember one time I was a junior in high school and it was the, the first day of English class, and, and I came in, and there was two seats left. I grabbed the seat, and behind me, I, um, someone walked into the classroom, and I got to tell you, I hadn't met the most beautiful girl in the world yet that I'm married to, but before that, I saw the second most beautiful girl in the world. And she walked into this class in junior year, and, uh, and I thought to myself, wow, you know, this is a beautiful girl. God, do something in my life. Can I get an amen? And um, and there was only one seat left in the class, and it was next to me. And I said, God, I knew you were a good God, but I never knew you were a good wingman. Amen. And, and so she sat next to me. And over the next couple months, we started to develop a friendship. And, and uh, she, once, one week, it was a Friday, and she said, hey, Brent, would you want to go to lunch with me at, at the pizza place across the street? And I said, sure, girl, whatever. That's cool. I, I mean, sure, I got, and I'm, she's staring lovingly into my eyes at lunch, and I'm staring lovingly into my slice of pizza, and she says, I got to tell you something, and I said, girl, I know, I know, and she said, I'm just so nervous, and I said, it's natural, it's natural, she said, all right, fine, I have a crush on your best friend, and I don't know how to tell them, and can I tell you, it shook me, it shook me for a while, I was, and I got to tell you, some of your faith has been shook because you have no walls around your life and you got rubble and the enemy has come in and it shakes you through circumstances or whatever it is. And I got to tell you, God wants to restore what the enemy has stolen. Revival, actually the word revival means restoration. This is a story of the restoration of the walls of Jerusalem in the Old Testament. This is an Old Testament story about what revival looks like. This is an Old Testament story about God restoring a city that was broken down and lost. And I got to tell you, that sounds like what this city needs. And if I need to, I'll help rebuild a wall. I'll let God build something through me if my city will be changed and revived. God, do it in this city. Do it in Mesa. Do it in Phoenix, God. Do what only you can do. I'll put my hands to the wall. Then verse 11, it goes on. It says, also our enemies said, before they know it or see us, we'll be right there among them and we'll kill them and put an end to the work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. They came up against opposition. You need to know this morning, not everyone that's with you is for you. And there's going to be people that will come up and be next to you, and you're fine, they're fine with you until you put your hands to the wall. You see, they were fine when you had distance between you and your calling, but as soon as you put your hands to the wall, all of a sudden, they don't want anything to do with you. They think, you're better than, you think you're better than me? What are you, aren't you a cupbearer? What, what business do you have building a wall? What are you doing? Look at that silly wall. That thing's not going to stand up. Uh, we've, you've changed. You know what? You've changed, Pastor Brent. You're right. I have. Thank you for noticing. God is changing me, and he's doing something in me and I'm not ashamed of it there's going to be opposition and then in verse 13 it goes on and says therefore 
I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their sword, spears, and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons, and your daughters, your wives, and your homes. So this opposition comes and Nehemiah has to do something. He has to, he has to position people to fight while they build. And I, get, I need you to know this morning, there's going to come a fight, but you've got to build while you fight. You can't be thrown by any opposition or any excuses that are going to come your way. You need to fight while you build because there's going to be a fight when the glory of God comes. Like I said, you're going to complain, Pastor Brent, I don't have that, that same seat I sat in for two years since you've been here, Pastor Brent. I don't have that seat anymore. Guess what? It's okay. It's going to be all right. When the glory of God comes, uh, there's going to be changes and, and these people and then this stuff. I don't know what's going to happen. Can I tell you something? We're not going back, so hold on to your seat because the glory of God, I believe, is going to change a city, and we're just going to hold on for the ride. We're not going back. And, and so the story, it says, Nehemiah positioned these people with swords and with bows and with spears. Come on up. I love that, that the story used bows, and Pastor Casey is an experienced bowman. Is that a word? And so it says bows, and I love that this story uses the word bows as one of the weapons that he gave the people. You know why? Because I think a lot of times, here, go ahead and step down. I don't want to be anywhere near you. But I think, I think in church, we, we want to do something for God without any storm, without any opposition, without any tension in our lives. And can I tell you that if you try and shoot an arrow with no tension, what happens? That's what happens. It goes nowhere. And I think a lot of times we resist the tension that God wants to bring in our lives. And I think you got to realize that God, if he pulls you back and you go through something and it might feel like you're going backwards this morning, this is a word for you. I want you to know God is building tension that you can go farther than you could before if you'd never gone through what you went through. In fact, that tension that he's building in your life is for a purpose. And that storm that you're going through is actually not to take you out. It's actually to take you in to what God has for you. So we don't need to be afraid of any storm, of any opposition. We look at people in the church and we look at people in ministry or doing something for God and we say, man, I want to go as far as they went. Can I tell you the tension that they went through that get to that place? It's actually not something that you'd probably want to do yourself. So it takes obedience and intimacy to even get there, to allow you to get through every storm on the way because the tension, it builds in our life. And God may be pulling you back right now and you feel like you're taking two steps back and you feel like you're not getting anywhere. But when God lets go, I promise you the tension that he's built in your life is going to allow you to build something that you never could have built if you hadn't been through what you went through. That's why you went through that years ago. That's why you went through that terrible breakup. That's why you went through that abuse. I'm telling you, God can use all things together for your good, even the things that don't feel good, even the things that feel like tension, even those times that you felt like giving up. My God has a purpose for you. It's not to take you out. It's actually to take you in. And I'm asking you this morning, are you people that will submit to the process of development that God wants to take you through? Are you the people that will submit to the tension as storms come in your life and things get tense and pull you back? Will you do what they used to do back before selfies? We used to have to take pictures and they'd have to go in a dark room. Do you remember this? You used to have to go to the store and buy this 35 millimeter film and then you put it inside your camera and then you 
you took all your pictures. You didn't mess around in pictures because you had limited pictures, okay? Don't make that stupid face. This is a picture, all right? We're getting ready to take a picture. And then they were, you got done with the roll and you take it out and you couldn't let it in the sunlight. So you put it in like that little black canister. It looked like illegal drugs go in or something. And you took it to the store and you waited. Back in the day, you waited like six days, okay? And then you'd go back. And during that time, this, this film would sit in a dark room. And it took the dark room to actually bring out the picture that was on the film so that beautiful pictures could come out. It took days in a dark room. And I don't, I don't know why, but we have so many Christians that refuse to go into the dark room. And every time we go into the dark room, we start to blame God. And we just start to say, God, have you left me? I'm telling you, God has not left you. Don't fall asleep in the dark room. Keep going. God is not finished. He's going to de- bring out development out on the other side, something he's doing in you. And it's going to take a dark room but he hasn't forgotten about you. In fact, he's pulling you back, and the tension that's building is going to help you go farther than you could have ever gone before. The opposition, they came, and, and another, later in the story, they say all they have is burnt stones. They can't build a wall. All they have is burnt stones. Have you ever been burnt? You ever been broken? You ever been hurt by people? I need you to know this morning that it, it's okay, God can still use broken stones. He can still use burnt stones to build a wall. He can use every weakness and everything that you've been through to do something in your life. He can still use you with your brokenness. And, and then I read the story, and, and they had to get this foundation ready. They had all this rubble, so it would take moving the rubble. Once the rubble is moved and the ground is prepared through intimacy like we talked about, then the people could actually start the work of building something. There came a time where they had to grab their tools, they had to grab their hammer, and they had to start working. They had to start putting their hand to the wall and start working. And I started to think about this work, and I started to think about what this sounds like. And you know what I realized? This sounds a lot like knocking. And I think that there's some work that needs to be done of knocking on the doors of heaven and the windows of heaven. And we grab our hammer and we start to work and say, God, I'm not going to give you any rest until you do what I need you to do. And there's some people and there's a church that needs to rise up to start taking your hammer and start knocking on the windows of heaven and say, God, I'm not going to let you rest until my family gets free. God, I'm not going to let you let rest until you heal me. God, I'm not going to let you rest until you change our city. But we've put our hands to the hammer and Get to work, and that's what your work that God is calling you to do looks like. It's intimacy and saying, God, I'm not going to give you any rest. You ever done work at your house or some, your neighbor done work at your, their house when you're still trying to sleep? You get no rest, right? Or if you have kids, maybe this sounds like this in your house. Dad, dad, daddy, dad, hey, dad, dad. When you're on the phone, I'm telling you, my kids understand this principle. They will give me no rest until, until they give me until I give them everything that they're asking me for. My iPad broke. No, I'm just kidding. This is building. This is building. What we're doing tonight at 6 p.m., corporate prayer, this is building. And we're saying, God, we're not going to give you rest. We're not going back to complacency. We're not going back to where you brought us from. I want to build something. Can I tell you, you can tell how popular a church is by the attendance on Sunday morning, but you can tell how popular Jesus is by attendance at a prayer meeting. And I'm going to ask you tonight, if Jesus is popular with you, I want to ask you to get your place on the wall and say, God, I want to build something. I want to see something with my life before I die. I want to see what the past generation saw. I want to see what Moses saw. God, this is building. 
In verse 17 and 18, it goes on and it says, those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other, and each of the builders wore his sword as he, at his side as he worked. I love this, because you know what this says to me? This says, with one hand I have my tools, and I'm building, and the other hand I have a sword. And you know what the word of God is called in scripture? It's called a sword. That means I'm going to knock on the doors of heaven, and I'm going to say, God, your word says, if your people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. God, your word says that no weapon formed against me will prosper, and I believe it, God. God, your word says that you will never leave me. You will never forsake me. God, your word says that me and my whole family will be saved. God, I declare it and I believe it. I'm working with one hand and I'm holding a sword in my other hand. And I believe that Jesus still does the same thing today. If there's a church that will put their hands and begin to work and say, God, I want to do what I want to see what only you can do, God. We need you, Jesus. And we'll put our hands to work and I'll carry a sword and I'm not going to stop till every promise in your word comes true. Do we have that kind of church here this morning? Father, in the name of Jesus, I just declare that your spirit is going to begin to stir up hunger in some people, God. God, I just declare this morning, God, that there's some people that are going to have the spirit draw them to take their place on the wall. But I'm going to tell you this morning, in the presence of God, I don't care if you come with me. I'm going anyways, and there's no going back. Father, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would draw some people to come along and say, God, we want to see what only you can do, Jesus. I can't go back to my normal life. I can't go back to what it was like before an encounter with you. If you're here this morning and you've never had an encounter with God, I just declare this morning is your time. In the name of Jesus, the Spirit of God is here. And Father, we just believe that this morning you're doing some foundational work. God, I believe there's some people here this morning that you're pressing into the rubble of their lives, the brokenness of their lives, the anger issue that they keep dealing with, the self-pity that they keep dealing with and blaming all of their issues on other people. And this morning, I just believe that you're going to clear away the rubble and you're going to press into some people and say it's never going to be the same in Jesus' name. And God, we want to get to work. We want to get to work and nothing will distract us. No opposition will stop us. We're done with excuses, Jesus, and we'll submit to the process of tension as you're pulling us back for a purpose, God, that things are getting tense in my life. Things are getting tense in my family because we're going to do more than we could ever do before. We cast down strongholds. We cast down rubble this morning in Jesus' name. I cast down addiction in the name of Jesus off of your life this morning. We cast down pride, Lord that keeps us from submitting our entire life to you, Jesus. And we say we want to build something before we die. Will you stand up to your feet with me this morning? We're going to worship. And I want to ask you, church, this morning to just, before we leave here, I want you to worship with us. And I want you to wake up. I believe God's word for some people this morning is wake up. The walls around your city are torn down. The walls around this nation are torn down. And the enemy is having his way. Everywhere you look, people are hurting and people are dying. And Jesus is alive. And we are the representation of Jesus Christ to the world. And we cannot be ineffective. We cannot be asleep. We cannot be complacent. Father, we're your hands and your feet. Would you use us like never before? Would you use us, Jesus? We're going to worship for a couple minutes, and we have some people that are going to be baptized this morning. I want to ask them right now to go with Pastor Casey right here into the foyer, and he's going to help you get prepared for that. Father, in the name of Jesus.